Hello, this is Andre and Anita. We talk about parenting, love and life skills. Our family of six makes sure we always have something to share. Now we are there. Here. Andre, you want to introduce our oh, guest? Hello. hello. Well, <laughs> we're live. Um, yes, I want to introduce our guest. Welcome, Aaron. Um, we've been talking about you, I guess, for the last 20 <laughs> podcasts. And appreciate that you're not only <laughs> listening to our podcast, but actually participating in it. Um, you're a welcome guest from America, Ohio. Yeah. And we're very happy that you're here. Driving him. You, yeah, with brought, beer <laughs> and other goods and uh, he's been staying for us with a couple of days and it's been a pleasure so far and does he get to say anything I don't know you yes he does I okay mean, so I guess you can well, say something well thank you for having me I appreciate being here uh, I hope I don't embarrass you guys too much well we have been embarrassing oh, ourselves <laughs> plenty I want you to know I want the world to know that you guys have good friends not bad ones <laughs> <laughs> But they did bribe me with beer, so I don't know what that says. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. But you know what? Aaron is um, on our parenting podcast, even though he doesn't have any kids. Yet. I apologize. Or, and yet. He doesn't know Wait, yet. no, I don't apologize. That's a <laughs> yeah. good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. But maybe that tells us something about society as well, but never mind. Or about <laughs> women. Don't know. <coughs> I think we still can learn something from you, as you can learn from any person. Still. As I think. That's good. And so I have prepared some questions for you. Oh, well, I definitely have a child's perspective on things, so... <laughs> awesome! <laughs> that you didn't lose in many years. Yeah, plenty just of them. Say that way. And can I'll just chime in every now and then and make the offside comment. Yeah. As usual. You make your jokes. I make my jokes. Yes, as usual. Just and the first question the actually is, what did you appreciate about uh, appreciate about your upbringing or your your parents' parenting style? <laughs> Things that you would repeat, maybe. Uh, I enjoyed my childhood from... That uh, wasn't necessarily due to my parents, but a uh, uh, large... Uh, a lot of different uh, experiences as far as like going to a private school uh, that taught one thing, living in a home that taught another, and then living in a church that taught another. I've got a, a wife. But it was a Christian school, yeah, right? Yeah, but uh, they all held different doctrinal beliefs. Oh, okay. So it was a, a wide range of expressions and interpretations that I got to experience uh, helped me really think through things that was kind of just the nature of uh, all that was going on in my life at the time as far as uh, okay. uh, school and church and living in a single parent home uh, probably uh, you know as far as the parenting aspect we were talking about discipline and things like that earlier and I think my mother was very uh, fair um, did a lot of explaining about punishment and things like that. Oh, Spent nice. a lot of time okay. ensuring that I understood uh, the wise. Wise, mm. yeah. And I, that was, of course, we were talking about that uh, according to punishment. But that it, it really went to a lot of different things as well. She did a very good job with the wise. Sometimes we were in a place where she couldn't explain herself so she'd mm -hmm. say later but she always came back and revisited that in the oh, nice. later on <clears throat> it wasn't it was never because I told you to it was mm -hmm. always we're doing this for a purpose mm -hmm. so that was uh and that I yeah like I said that was not I mean my whole experience with my mom wasn't punishment although it probably <laughs> should have been <clears throat> but uh she did she did a lot of good explaining I think uh, that was probably one of the most helpful aspects of that. I enjoyed the explaining and then just the wide range of experience overall in my childhood. So, hmm. Actually, I, I, I think we did a podcast about that as well. That is one of the things that I wanted to bring to our well parenting skills or how we raise our kids is uh, never to, or well, not, not 
at least trying to avoid the um, because I told you so kind of line. Yeah, that's a wound from your childhood. Yeah, that's, isn't that's it? because because it sucks playing mm. playing said. You know, yeah. it's just the uh, like the lazy remark where I, I don't know, but this is how you're supposed to behave. Dot bottom line. You know, period. And um, so I definitely would take that as a good uh, advice for uh, future endeavors on your yeah. behalf, you know, and I, I will take it as well for us, always. But I actually wanted to go back to the different doctrines oh, as well, okay. because this makes me think that having to, like, since you went to different people who had authority mm -hmm. in a different sense, you had to make up your own mind about what do you believe. Like if this grown-up person is saying this, that one is saying that, and my parents are again saying something different. Uh, I never really got confused. Um, that, that I remember. Um, the other thing was uh, the pastor of our church at the time, he was very good as well. Um, mm -hmm. So I should say the school that I went to was non-denominational, so it was a Christian school, but it didn't, uh, we did some basic Bible classes and Bible stories, but never got into any real specific doctrine. Everything was real neutral and light. Mm -hmm. um, typical, no dancing, no drinking, no smoking, don't swear. Mm, it's stuck quite a bit. Tuck, tuck, tuck your shirt in. <laughs> yeah, tuck your shirt in, look appropriate. That kind of basic uh, principles and standards of operation and things. Um, that was school. At the church, it was far more conservative. Um, it was more of a uh, conservative, very conservative um, no Christmas, no Easter, which I know is odd mm -hmm. to a lot of people, but those holidays were not celebrated. We were strictly just, um, I'm trying to think of something over here that would be similar. I, I guess they consider them like Congregationalists or Quakers or Shakers, uh, Quakers. Not, oh, yeah, not, yeah. not Amish. Mm -hmm. So we were, we still were allowed to wear colors and things, but there was just a general if you were having a potluck, you had a potluck, but no real celebrations of any kind. Um, but I'm, I'm not quite sure what the traditions are, but our the church stance was basically uh, the holidays weren't specifically expressed in the Bible. So yeah. while we celebrated Christ's birth, we didn't celebrate Christmas. Hmm. Um, That's actually the first oh, time and I did you ever? That. Yeah, first time. I mean, besides uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay, I well, I wasn't a Jehovah's Witness, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's just to clarify. Yeah. I think they don't even celebrate birthdays, because birthdays are kind of, yeah, you yeah. Just celebrate that. Yeah. So there's uh, just a, a small... We're called... Uh, we're, we're Baptist, mm -hmm. but we're not associated with any Baptist. It was just mm -hmm. a standalone Baptist church. And there were several other in our area, and they more associated Christmas and Easter with pagan holidays and took a far more conservative view about those things. Because but of the origin. didn't necessarily preach against anybody else. And us personally at home, we had a Christmas celebration that my mom still put us through. But, but did you ever have any conversations with your mother asking her, like, why is it like this at school? Why is it like that? No, uh, we did. Uh, I did ask the pastor. That was the other thing. The pastor of the church, he was very open to having conversations with me. And so when I had questions about different things, he was conscious of my mom's views, but did not hold back on why the church didn't celebrate or why there were differences. But he also said, you know, you're not going to hell because you celebrate Christmas at home. This is just a church stance and things like that. So I heard a lot of, I guess it does sound confusing trying to explain to everybody that, you know, you have all these real more what I would consider open-minded Christian views, uh, ecumenical movement, let's all just hold hands and sing kumbaya. Yeah. On the one end at my school and then at my church, it was very, 
narrow and rigid, and then my mom was somewhere in the middle, but it really didn't affect me in any kind of negative way because nobody tried to jam any of the stuff down my throat that I was aware of. Mm-hmm. It was just, here's your uh, food platter of everything going on and yeah but this is actually quite a good mind or brain workout because you had to ask yourself questions (coughs) where do i stand like what do i believe since you had all these different things to choose from i mean this is a a little bit reminds me of like our children they also know that there is different um priorities at grandma's house or at our house and that we have different values. I mean, not the the Christian thing as well. That there is many different. Well, not that much that they they will notice. Not they yet. Will not, yeah. not our kids don't know the finer points between uh, being truly charismatic and just lightly charismatic yeah, stuff well, like it, that, it, it, or it, it, what the, what does it even mean? You know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. I I don't for. Yeah, it's not as diverse as your background. True. Definitely wow. not. But we haven't even been talking about the divorce. I mean, oh, like well, how old were you? And, I was not born was when my parents got divorced. So my mother was pregnant with me when the divorce happened. And I always knew who my father was, but he was not around very much. So I have no idea what it's like to go through a divorce. Mm-hmm. Nor do I know what it's like to live in a house with a mom and a dad. All that stuff is kind of foreign. When I got into high school, some of my other friends' parents were starting to get divorced or just a couple here and there. And they would come up and ask to me certain questions. And I really just had to tell, I, I don't know. I mean, mm. you can't miss what you never had. So That's right, yeah. I, yeah. And... Uh, what, have you ever been like at friends' houses, and you felt like, oh yeah, this is something that I'm missing, or? No, we go and see. That's the other thing is being at a babysitter so much. Mm-hmm. You just this is how other people do it. This is how we do it, kind of mm-hmm. thing. I I never seemed, I never felt like there should be somebody in the house, but I never thought it was weird for another person to have two parents either. Mm-hmm. It was just, I don't know, being starting your life in that way and it always being that way it just seemed normal mm-hmm. so also when you're at the babysitter you usually don't see the dad that much, yeah because right? he's working probably mm-hmm. yeah. but that's well you know the, my earliest memories of going to a babysitter and whatever i mom would take us across the street before she went to work and then i'd sit there and the husband who went to his shift, started after my mom needed to be worked. So I'd sit there and have breakfast with him, sit at the table and eat whatever he was eating, whatever. And then uh, go back and they, you know, go back to sleep until all the rest of the kids come up. And then I, you know, go back out and mill around with the kids. So it wasn't a totally foreign concept of a man being in a house. And then usually later on in life, my mom worked later just with all the, her responsibilities at the university there. She'd work later, so the man always came home afterwards. And, you know, sometimes she worked late enough, we'd have dinner at the babysitters or whatever. And, um, but it, so it really didn't, I don't know, it's, it seemed like a normal childhood to me. That's a good thing. I hope it is. Well, if anybody thinks I'm normal, I <laughs> but um, then also, what did you love about your childhood? The and and I mean not just the parenting thing, like mm-hmm. what your mom did right, but also the experiences that you've had, like maybe also with your sister, since you have a sister. But yeah. I don't know if well, the relationship I mean, was in your childhood. Everything was. Yeah, I mean, I just. Most of what I remember of my childhood was running around outside in the summers, riding my bike everywhere. We had, uh, uh, as soon as I could ride a bike, I was riding a bike. And we would run off and we had a, like a community park down just a block over from our house. And we'd go down there and we'd run around in the woods and we'd run around on the playground. And I don't know, we were just always on our bikes out somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that was probably when I was a little bit older when I was 
because uh, my sister's three years older than me, so about the time I turned 10 and she started babysitting other people's kids, then my mom started letting her watch us at the house. So somewhere between 10 and 12, that started to happen. But when I was at, uh, growing up with the same family for most of my youth, we, we just ran around outside in the summer and mm. got caught going out of the yard when we weren't supposed to and got in trouble. <laughs> I mean, we'd, you know, just run around. I, I think I, most of what I remember of my childhood is just sunshine and running around outside. And I See, really that's something that. that's like getting more and more rare, <laughs> yeah, in a sense. Probably, I hated school. Hated school from the time they put me into kindergarten, and the only thing I remember about school is counting the days till I was out. <laughs> <laughs> For real? Yeah. That I mean, I knew from day one. All right, we got X amount of weeks in this quarter, and I'd just be ticking off days every day. I <laughs> counted down. Okay. okay. Did you ever get in trouble in school? Like, did they? Um, teachers ever ask for a parent conference or something like that? I don't think I got in any, any extra trouble at school, just normal. Well, there was one incident, but we didn't have, I was in junior high, we didn't have parents called in, but some of us started getting paper routes, so we had an excess of rubber bands, mm -hmm. and so when you have a paper route, they deliver the papers and you got to roll them up and put a rubber band around mm -hmm. them and throw them at the house. Well, it just so happened several of these bags of rubber bands ended up at the school and we ended up shooting them at each other all the time, every <laughs> class. Okay. And that was like the only real big trouble I ever got in. Okay. I mean, but that, I mean, these kids, they started taking their pens apart and paper clips and turning the pens Slingshot. into yeah. slingshots, yeah. bow and arrow. <laughs> You couldn't find a pole pin or a paper clip anywhere in any of our classes. We had disassembled everything and just built weapons of war. To, so that See, was about two weeks. And now weeks they have the spinners and like these yeah, they have things, the devices, little whatever. substitute that cut less steep. I guess. Yeah, but I, I don't ever hear you know rubber bands being thrown around or anything like that. It took two weeks for the teachers to get that under control. We we went into a full pat down mode we'd go into study hall and the teacher would pat us down checking for oh, really? rubber bands and extra <gasps> pens and stuff oh crazy and nowadays they actually have checking for guns oh yeah well the <laughs> no. old times have changed yep. oh, but it, it, after two weeks we got tired of getting hassled so we gave it up and we had fun that was like the only real I mean but we really didn't get in trouble you know nobody called our parents or anything oh okay I might have gotten detention once in my entire school career because I was late to class too many times, goofing off. But I mean, nobody like it wasn't I, no real trouble. And and was your mom ever like uh, involved in school? Did she ever have to help you with homework or a project uh, or anything yeah, like that? She helped me with uh, typing. She can type. I can't. Uh, she was very good at that. Uh, when I started to have to write papers and things. Uh, as far as helping me with homework, no, because I didn't do any. <laughs> Basically, kids, okay. kids. Yeah, if you understand this, you probably will not understand it if you don't do your homework. So there's <laughs> do your homework. Homework. Yeah. <coughs> I'm not telling anybody to follow my example. Uh, you know, I. Yeah, I mean, as far as homework and stuff like that, I tried to organize myself such that I didn't have to do it. Mm -hmm. um, she, you know, she encouraged us to be me and my sister to be in sports and was at all our sports games and all those events and things like that. Um, What kind of sport did you do? Uh, I did basketball, cross country, and track, mostly oh. basketball, and um, my sister did volleyball and basketball. And then her, I, she did something in the spring, but I was only in high school one year when she was in high school, so I, I'm not sure. I don't think she was a full three-sport person, but she was in some other after-school activity in the spring. So she was quite active, student body president, super popular, Whoa. dated the hot guys, that kind of thing. Quarterback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if our school had a quarterback. <laughs> we, didn't have, we didn't have a football team. But. You're going to have to show a picture, by the way. 
of my so, sister. Okay, I mean, of your sister. Oh, not, no, not, not. Well, no, I was like, I'm going to have to find a picture of my sister. Oh, you well, don't have you any. Well, a few people have told me in her younger days she looked like Cameron Diaz. Mm-hmm. So... Okay. There's that. There's that. <laughs> I'm not sure anymore. I don't think anybody looks like Cameron Diaz after six kids. <laughs> and I'm not saying the birthing of them, but the trying to constantly keep them reined in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my God. There's only so much time got left then, yeah. That's so, true. Mm-hmm. But do you ever feel like your mother should have been uh, stricter or less strict? Or do you feel like she... I have some balance. definite disagreements with my mother in certain things, but I don't think in nothing that I would change about my childhood. Uh, my disagreements I have with my mother are just based on personal experience after the fact. I think that she, uh, with the hand she was dealt, did very good, and you know there was never did anything for any other reason than she thought it was what was best for us. And at that point, for me to complain about anything would be silly because then that would be to say that, oh, she was trying to do something malicious or which was the farthest thing from her mind. So the things I would do different from her are only just because of personal opinion, Mm -hmm. not because I thought that she ever did anything wrong or without me and my sister's best interest in mind. Mm -hmm. Wow, okay. And, um, I mean, with... And talking about the divorce before, like you already knew, now you didn't miss what you didn't have. Yes. But were there other um, areas where you ever felt like this is something that I feel like I missed out on? Like this is something that other kids had, I didn't have it, or the classic throwing a ball, you know? Well, I wish that honestly, when my buddies across the street, their dad got them boxing gloves for their for Christmas okay so uh, directly across from my house was what we call a cul-de-sac which is just a dead-end street that had kind of rounded uh, yeah, it yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went out in the middle of that and started punching each other with their new boxing gloves and having a grand old time and one of them got a bloody nose and my mom <laughs> wouldn't let me go out there and put on the boxing gloves and fight with them because you know She was a woman and doesn't understand that stuff. So, in hindsight, I would have liked my mom to let me get in more fights. <laughs> nice. And not like a fist fight for anger, but, you yeah, know, know, wrestling know. around and, and things like, you know, more things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think if there was a dad around, well, of course, I don't know how that would play out, really. <laughs> you never know. But, uh, It would, I think little silly things like that that don't really matter, I don't think. I mean, yeah, I, I don't. But like I said, it was, you know, she, she didn't do that because she was being mean or anything. No, no, no. But it would be, you know, I guess if uh, thinking about missing out for something would be, uh, you know, like Andre wrestling with the boys and stuff, that would have been fun. But on the classic playing catch with dad... Mm-hmm. Here's a great story. <laughs> My mom, would, when I was uh, playing baseball and when I was younger, she'd go out and throw the ball with me. She's a fairly athletic mm-hmm. lady, and she played sports when, for, and when she was a young lady. Lady sports were far different than lady sports are now. So mm-hmm. as much as they would let her play sports, she excelled at them mm-hmm. and enjoyed them. And she always, we were always very active as kids. So she would pass the ball with me out in the yard. And she threw a pop, threw one up in the air called a pop fly or whatever. And I lost it in the sun and it caught me right in the face and broke my nose. <gasps> it broke your nose. Baseball. Yeah, well, yeah it was a hard baseball. Yeah, yeah. And she, she could throw it up there and it was fine. I could, but I just lost it in the sunshine. But I was directly under it. So I wasn't off my mark. I just didn't have my glove in the right place. Well, that's yeah. the wrong catching tool. Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <clears throat> so I actually did do good. I just need to get my glove over there. Uh, but yeah, busted my nose. I'm bleeding everywhere. She she starts crying and takes me in the house and feels so good. Last time we ever played catch, she felt so bad about that. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> and uh, it was it was kind of sad because to me, 
I was fine. I don't remember like crying or anything. I mean, it hurt, but I don't remember like being terrified of the ball anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, we took it. It happened. It's okay. We survived. But uh, yeah, that's the last time I remember. I think she she really didn't like the fact that she hurt me and she was sl- I don't want to say traumatized, but it it was not more something. damage to her than yeah. to you. Okay. Well, and, yeah. Uh-huh. But I think but so. No, I didn't miss out on getting my nose busted by a pop fly or anything like that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but then um, what? Um, I, I still feel like we should talk a little bit more about your childhood because um, I haven't had like many separate questions for that. But we'll dig in. Yeah, but then I also feel like um, how was it? Like how would your day usually be like when you were like, say, in an elementary school or something like that because you mentioned you have been at babysitters a yeah. lot which was probably the the time before you went to kindergarten yeah. or something like well that. we were with fortunately there was a lot of good families at our church so i think from the time i was well from Being born to a certain age while I was an infant, I was taken to a certain lady's house. Um, Still know her, still interact with a very lovely lady, and she took care of us in our infancy, in my infancy, and my sister would have been three, so. Uh, But me, from all the stories I had when I was a child, put me in the car seat and stick me towards a wall, and I was fine, Uh, very happy. Um, then there was several other families that we were uh, at up until the time I was about five or six, um, which were all just basically families trying to help my mom and my mom not trying to be a burden on any one specific family. Oh, But they okay. all had kids, so it wasn't like they were passing us around. It was like everybody was taking their share of the responsibility to kind of help my mom out. At the time I turned six, right around that age, we got a new pastor at the church, and he had, uh, they just had their fifth child, so they had five. So then they moved in right next door to us. Oh, nice. And then, so we started going over there, and we were there up until the time I was between 10 and 12 when my sister started. So most of our time was with the pastor's family. Um, and then the pastor actually taught at the school I went to, so it all worked out real nice. And then when I started doing sports, like around like in the summer for T-ball and stuff, I always signed up as their sons, one of the pastor's sons. That way, whatever team his kid got on, I got on. That way, I always had a ride to practice and everything like that. So everything worked out really nice. Whoa, okay. So yeah, because uh, one of the things that... Super convenient, yeah. easy life, really nice. The fun fact about that is um, <clears throat> I, I, I doubt you'll see that a lot in, in, in Germany, at least yeah. to my knowledge, that the neighborhood takes care of, others, of other mm. kids. I, I rarely see that. I haven't heard of that before. This is more a village think, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah this but, can but happen a little bit more in, in small... Probably, but very, it didn't happen in your village small. too, right? Not that much, no. Not that much, yeah. Which, no. which I think is great that that other families are taking care of other kids. Like, like it's it's totally normal. Which should yeah. be, I guess. It should I, be. Yes, no, maybe. You know, I I don't know. We and yeah. all the other neighborhood kids, we all ran around with, and um, you know, they eventually moved to another house a little later on. But I still was going to their house, and so all the kids in the new neighborhood, we all played with, and we just. We just ran around all the time. That's what I, I really do just remember about my summers is running around and counting the days to the summer when I was in school. But I, we always had rides to everywhere. Mm-hmm. We never had to anything we wanted to do. There was some other kid doing it, and we, we got going there. Yeah. So nobody – I don't know how much it's like that now, but at least when I was a kid, having somebody else take care of me was not – I mean, it was just it was just natural. And then – Like, whatever we were doing, if kids wanted to come, I mean, my mom would, we could have kids over whenever we wanted, and my mom would take us wherever, and she never, you know, it wasn't like she was always at work and everything. She did the same thing for the other neighborhood kids. It was just during the day, you know, mm-hmm. when she was having to work. Yeah. 
everybody, we were all there. And then when my sister started taking care of me, or not taking care of me, but being able to watch over us, you know, we just, all she did was make sure I did my chores in the morning. And then she wouldn't want to hassle with me for the rest of the day. She eh, do whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> but before I left the house, I had my chores done because she's not going to look bad. <laughs> okay. But uh, another point uh, that interests me is um, usually that what gets told to single moms is that it's really important to have some kind of male role model. Some... Maybe a close uncle or something, um, or some really well, kind of close friend. Whoever's telling who you would... this has never met my mother. <laughs> She's a quite determined and resolute individual. And she, boy, I did talk a little bit. She did say that there was no way in her life she was going to try and be a mother and a father. She was just going to be a mother. But as far as the whole... Oh, she even said it. Yes. Like she that. said she's not going to try and be my father. She's... She's not a man. She's not going to try and be a man. That's good. But she also didn't feel like it was necessary for her to pawn her responsibilities off on anybody else. So mm -hmm. it wasn't people, you know, she, and I, I, I know that she either paid and or returned in kind every favor that we ever got. She's real big into that, making sure you don't owe anybody anything mm -hmm. stuff. So, you know. But I, I, strong male role model, I don't, I mean, maybe that's why I'm as goofy as I am now, because all my strong male role models were uh, kids that just got their driver's license and were older brothers of my friends that were dragging us out to do stuff we probably shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you also mentioned this guy at church who would, um, you know, shut you down sometimes if you would be going oh, off Oh, well, much. yeah, the... Uncle George. <clears throat> yeah. He was... Yeah, there was actually the three men at the church that were really active. Now, there was the pastor, and they, these three were deacons, but uh, there was Sonny, Dick, and George, and each one of them... Sonny was a... He worked at a, a maintenance guy at a factory. So he, oh, was, okay. he was in the Air Force, and then when he got back, he got a maintenance job at a factory. So he was a repair guy, knew a lot. He took me out and got me my first gun and taught me how to shoot and how to hunt and made up all the... I mean, this guy, he must have been a really wonderful repair guy because, like, he wrote down detailed instructions about everything that he ever taught me on 3x5 cards. Really? Lying really? Up, real nice printing. <laughs> And everything. And handed so, it over to you. And not handed it over to me. Huh. Handed it to me and then explained everything to it. And then kind of made me read everything to him. So everything was in triplicate. So he told me, Whoa. gave me the cards. Organized. Made me read them. Then made me repeat it back to him. And he did a lot to help, you know. That was all with the hunting and the care of my gun and, mm -hmm. and all those types of things. Okay. And then... Because it was important. Yep. I mean, then it's Dick's wife Clara was my mom's best for one of my mom's best friends, and he uh, he was an engineer mm -hmm. and did his whole time in the Air Force and was uh, he was super neat and tidy and very organized and well put together. And his wife was an artist, and so clashes a lot. I her guess. half of the house was all cut up <laughs> magazines, and his I mean he. Would they get home from grocery shopping? He'd get out his sharpie. He would write the date they bought the groceries on, and then take the old stuff, move it forward, and put it in the back so that yeah, yeah, everything yeah, yeah. had a date. Everything was in line. Only weird thing about him was he ate his hamburgers with peanut butter. What? He just put a big old glob of peanut butter on his hamburgers and ate them, and he loved it. But he taught me about, he did woodworking stuff, and so I learned how to do some woodworking from him, mm -hmm. and he used to, my mom collects branding irons, so we'd go over there, and he'd uh, start a fire and heat the branding iron up and burn pieces of wood and chop them up nice, and mm -hmm. he had an interest in some old cars, and so we, he taught me about some little, kind of antique -y, mm -hmm. intricate kind of detail stuff. So I guess, I mean, and then Uncle George, he was just a good old boy from Kentucky. The story is his wife, he met her 
at one of these uh, drive-ins where the girls are on roller skates. Bagging ah. the food. Yeah. Oh, Before nice. McDonald's. Nice. Yeah. So he saw her at the there and he got interested in her mm. and then she moved up from Kentucky with her family to our area and then he just said well I'm, I got nothing else going and followed her up and married her and they had three nice kids and all these all these guys I met they were already well into their 60s by the time I really mm. knew who they were and uh, he taught me how to make a moonshine still and <laughs> Kentucky yeah. of course <laughs> hitch up a team of mules and talking about you know teaching somebody to live off the land and he also uh, taught me about how to train dogs and bird dogs specifically uh, that's all he did was bird dogs so we'd go out and take the bird dogs out and he'd show me how to train a dog and how to get it to point and Make sure no. it wasn't scaring the the birds, mm-hmm. but showing you where they were so you could get to them. And but that actually means that they must have spent quite a bit of time with you. This is uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say you can't do this like a, in an hour or something. No, they. I mean, it, it's odd because it was dispersed over that whole real six years of my life. There, where before my once my sister started taking care of us. I was on my bike out somewhere else with my friends and everything else. So from six to 12, all this kind of stuff was happening on a regular basis. Mm. And I was heavily involved. Um, then when I got where we were staying at home by ourselves, then, you know, I'd do a summer job, whatever little cash I could get, I would get. And then I'd go run around and do whatever. And then like the first sense of freedom I ever had was when I could ride a bike. And I got as far away from the house as I could. And then I had to ride back, so I didn't go as far as I wanted to. <laughs> then when I hit 16 and I got my driver's license, well, it was Whoa, hammered down. <laughs> All go- that was probably the most influential thing that ever happened to me was getting my driver's license because our school was in another town and there was no buses. Mm-hmm. So the day I got my license... Maybe not the day, but right about the time I got my license, all the, and it might have been, when I got my license, my sister was still driving. And when the next school year came around, so I was in 10th grade, I was, (coughs) I was still only 16. Yeah. And, uh. All the parents that lived around us found out that I had my driver's license. I was taking six kids to school every morning and bringing them home because nobody, none of the parents wanted to drive their kids to school anymore. So I had the responsibility of six kids younger than me in my car every morning to get to school on time because if they don't get to school on time, then I get in trouble and I'm not doing anything yeah. to screw yeah. up my freedom. <laughs> But I, that really made me grow up and learn about the importance of getting up Getting ready, getting out of the being house on time, time. Being responsible. Yeah. Being responsible. Um, also, six kids in a car. Mm-hmm. I know it's fun with four kids in a car, talking out of experience with six kids. Well, they're not the, your own, so I guess they behaved. Yes, no, maybe. Well, they were, uh, because I was going to the junior high high school, they were all junior high and up. So mm. I think the youngest kid that was in my car was 14. Ah, okay. okay. And then, so most of them were around 14, 15. Okay, so they were kind of still your... your yeah. Mm. But they it were, still sounds like a big car. They were younger than me. Well, you know, mm. there were seven of us in there. Mm. And there was... It was a five-seater still, right? You no, know, it was three in the front, four in the back, and one of the seatbelts stretched across. Mm. Both, well, that's what they told me what they did. I don't know. I just mm. turned the mirror up. Don't look at it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we, you know, always got them to school on time. Mm-hmm. Never had any problems. Did what I was supposed to do. But that only lasted for two years because after that, then they all got their licenses. And then my last year of school was just getting myself to school. And well, <laughs> you know, as long as I was out of the house, but there's another. My mom worked at the school my senior year. So as much as I wanted to goof off and. I couldn't because I knew at 10 o'clock she was going to be there. So if I wasn't there when she got there, in trouble. I was a big trouble. <laughs> so. Yeah, I did. I had a really fun childhood, I think. I goofed off a I lot. Mean, and it even sounds like um, you have been even taught so many 
things that even kids who have two parents at home and I, are I'm not learning. Like, I, yeah. I'm not a proficient at any of this stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, like I'm amazing I mean. at any of it, but yeah. it's all stuff I got to experience. Yeah. And I'm, you know, that. Can you imagine leaving two 14-year-old kids with firearms on a nine-acre lot and a huge box of ammo and a bunch of clay pigeons to just blow up? And the fact we didn't kill ourselves or each other was amazing, but it was fun. (laughs) And we, but because of, and, and for me personally, because of the time and care especially those stupid three by five cards i wish i knew where they were now because i would it was just wonderful information really (laughs) i never it never got to the point where we were silly we always understood like first off we were like don't screw this up we're on our own that was like the big thing was we have made it there's no adults around (laughs) don't screw this up (laughs) but also the amount of training and time that went into us being taught the appropriate way to do things and always having the whys answered, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. It was very, we were probably would never act like that if the adults were around, mm-hmm. but we never act so crazy as to make the do- adults want to be around. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we never shot a building, we never shot a car, we never shot anything that wasn't a target mm-hmm. supposed to be shot, you know. We didn't do anything silly like that completely wild. so but we did laugh and goof off a little bit more than we probably should have oh. <laughs> yeah it sounds like you should actually write a book or something but you know it was it was just fun it was it was fun and and those old guys most of well one of them was from out like Iowa or Kansas and the other two were both from Kentucky mm. So when they were three years old, they were all running around with guns, shooting birds and rabbits and everything else. So because that's how they got their dinner. You know, a lot of these guys, they grew up poor. Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't, you know, they just did not have hardly anything. And the one guy, I remember him, we were sitting, <clears throat> we were sitting having dinner one time. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, it was illegal to hunt rabbit. And his mom... He remembered, he, he said, you know, I remember my mom saying, boy, it'd be just nice to have some fresh meat. So he took his gun, he went out, got a couple rabbits, brought them back to the house, and they had meat for dinner that, that night. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that was how they grew up. Now, they all bettered themselves and went and got themselves good jobs. And the one guy, Uncle George, he, he started at throwing concrete pipes around in a yard and ended up the head of quality control. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a large... It was funny to hear him because this old boy from Kentucky, now all these foreign companies are sending their quality control partner to uh, people to be trained by him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's working with Koreans and everything from Russians and everybody else. And he's just like, he was so amazed at them, but they were so amazed that somebody could start digging dirt and with no yeah. college education became the only guy that knew the system well enough to be able to pick that's a bad concrete pipe we need to get rid of that one and and it's just because he knew the system so well so they were really hard-working guys that came from hard backgrounds and mm-hmm. they were just happy to see a couple happy kids i guess i don't know maybe give us something that they didn't have mm-hmm. that's crazy i mean um yeah, that, that sounds way. almost like yeah. yeah, it almost sounds like stuff that you would watch in a movie or something, uh, like our child, like an American brother, <laughs> yeah, probably. Mm. But then my next but it, pet but it question sounds like like just to finish that, it sounds like a childhood with adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah, yeah the, great the time. stuff I, that you I mean, would. I'll tell you about the times of, you know, there was a whole year where every day I spent at the community pool and made friends and enemies and everything else got in some small altercations outside the pool and goofing off and you know large groups of kids and me and the other kid I always hung out with we didn't have a group we were the kind of the outcasts and we went to go pick up our friends <laughs> I did I was not aware that the people I was hanging out with were from the wrong side of town 
They were just nice people. Mm -hmm. And so there was these three girls and this guy and his brother. And his brother was maybe five or six. And we all piled around together. And so one day, we all knew where each other lived. So one day I walk down there and I get him at his house. Then we walk up to the apartment buildings where the three girls lived. And we go, and they we knock on the door. One opens the door, slams it real quick. There's some commotion. Then comes back to the door. You gotta get out of here. Our dad's home. He's gonna kill you guys. Well, we don't know what. We're not supposed to have any friends. Nobody's supposed to know we're here. <laughs> so we're all running out. But then later on, why well, go get the girls? And then we go down to his house to pick him up. Go inside. Well, then his dad comes home, and we're all jumping out the back window because nobody's supposed to be in the house, and he was going to get all in trouble. Not ever having had a parent home during the daytime, Mm. these were all foreign concepts to me (laughs) because my mom just said, wherever you're going, call me so I know where you are. Well, I'm going to pick up my friends. I'm going to the pool. Whoop de doo. <laughs> Did not realize that in other people's worlds, there was like severe punishment for people being in the house when nobody was supposed to be at the house. And also the side of town I was walking on, like I wasn't actually supposed to be going there by myself. I was supposed <laughs> to be, But I mean, I never got hurt or in trouble or anything. And after the fact, you know, whatever, I mean, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> but we piled, it was only one summer I knew those people, but we piled around like crazy and got in all sorts of trouble. And Which means you, you weren't like traveling around or whatever in the summer. There's not like, uh, We that took maybe a two-week vacation when my mom had vacation. And then we'd always go to, um, it, when I was younger, it was Florida with family. And when I was older, we went over to New Jersey with friends so just a I think my mom well I think us as kids enjoyed the beach and she took us on a business trip once to Colorado and uh, all of her she we were like the only kids there and it was a big business meeting and we went to all these fancy dinners and stuff and people trying to sell my mom things so everybody was super nice to us because they were trying to get my mom to buy products for the university. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, me and my sister had a great time mm-hmm. ordering room service, which we'd never experienced before at the hotel. Yeah. And stuff Fancy. Like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but that would, you know, that was just one time. But mm-hmm. it was something my mom wanted us to be able to enjoy. So, yeah. And when she, and I think she would have liked to have done more of that because her mom was a school teacher. So, all summer long, they traveled all over. My mom's got pictures from all over America. Mm-hmm. I think she would have liked to do a bit more, but it just wasn't possible. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, still for small town USA, we we had some. What do they call it? We we howled at the moon a little bit. <laughs> I guess they say it. <laughs> but it, it feels to me like you, through your childhood, by not being supervised all the time and trying out so many things, meeting so many things. You've already been prepared for adulthood in a different way. I was lucky. Some I really was lucky because there's some kids that grow up the same way I do, but they're in a completely different area mm-hmm. and there's a completely different outcome. You mean yeah. more like a well, criminal? They, yeah, they end up in a gang or they end yeah. up with... Uh, just bad experiences. They don't. They don't end up as criminals. They. But I mean, if you were in certain inner city neighborhoods and things, you wouldn't have the ability to do. And your whole focus would be on getting out of there and not having to go back. And mm-hmm. uh, with my childhood and where I was raised and things, it was relatively safe and comfortable to be left out to do whatever mm-hmm. and. You know, nowadays my mom watches the news and she's like, how did I ever let you kids get out of the house by yourselves? But for the day and time we were in, it was good for the neighborhood. And even though I say I was going to the wrong side of town, I really shouldn't have been there. But it was, nobody was going to kidnap me or whatever. I was just going to get beat up because I didn't belong there. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like I was going to get kidnapped or, you know, anything like that. It was just, you're on the wrong side of town. We're going to have to teach you not to come back. Mm-hmm. So, but that's, you know, that 
But yeah, I, I really do feel I think my childhood was more lucky than anything else because there are a lot of places that you you couldn't be raised like I was and survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. <coughs> But did you ever um, feel like that you haven't been sufficiently prepared for adulthood? Like when there's this point when kids move out of the house and for some it's quite a shock in the beginning because now you're gonna have to take care of yourself you're gonna have to go you know take care of your own household and mm. take care of the finances and all those so kinds starting of with when did you move out at what age uh, well I moved out and then moved back when I first got out of high school I went to go to a uh, auto mechanic school mm. in a couple states over and So I had a place to stay there and a job there and knew some people in that area. Mm-hmm. And so I moved out. Well, at a that couple time, of states means like like 10 uh, to 12 hours drive? I think it was eight. Only eight, eight hours. hours. Well, mm-hmm. it was over in Chicago was where the school was. And that's, that's mm-hmm. well, it's, I guess it's only Indiana, then Illinois. Mm-hmm. So really, I mean, and they're both narrow. So it was, it was oh, only okay. maybe eight hours, six, yeah. eight hours away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was interested in a girl at the time. In I, Chicago? Me, no, in Ohio. Okay, back And so me being the romantic that I was. <laughs> that I was. <laughs> go on. Broke my heart to oh, <laughs> broke my heart to leave, so I moved back home and picked another school to go to. Mm-hmm. Which I'm glad I did that because really did not enjoy being an auto mechanic at all. <laughs> Why? Uh, it just wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. It's okay. too much detail. Pay attention to detail stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but she dumped me like two weeks after I moved back anyway. Yay! So, <laughs> which there's that. It was. You know, it was what it was, so I kind of... You were like 18 then? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go, uh, right after my 19th birthday, she dumped me. Okay. <gasps> That's nice. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> then I kind of flip-flopped around, and I still kind of lived at home just because I had come back and really didn't know what I was doing. So then when I was... I really moved out. That was... Two thousand, mm-hmm. when, and so two thousand one, that was the end of two thousand. So I I was out of the house for you know six months or whatever, and then I came back and didn't have anything going. Mm-hmm. Was was that a problem for your mother? Like no, she, oh, she never like... wanted me to move out in the first place. So oh, okay. Was, <laughs> and she, you know, plus I just came and went as I wanted, um, but it, you know, so the. End of 2000, beginning of 2001, I got myself a job and worked it for almost a year. And then that's the time when I heard about the ship. And then 2002, I moved out of the house. And uh, I worked for another year and got all my support. And then the beginning, February of 2003, I went to the ship. Oh, okay. So I was out of the house all of two. So, like, I was out of the house in 2000. Then I came back in 2001. Then 2002, I was out of the house. And then 2003, I was really out of the house. And that was a challenge a little bit for your mom. Was it the bigger challenge for your mom? I don't know. I didn't pay attention to any of that emotional crap. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's... I I don't know. And... For as much as I didn't have like a quote-unquote male influence, and there were men in my life that were teaching me things, but it was more because their sons were grown, and it was like having a grandson again, and, you know, they Uh all had their other grandsons and things, but I wasn't... It was a joy for them. They were at a stage in their life where they were retired and they had the time and they nice. still had the energy, yeah. and it was... It the was wisdom just, they yeah, wanted to share. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it was just great to have... And it wasn't just me they did that with. They did it mm-hmm. with other kids as well. Yeah. But, but it was just fun and nice, and, and it was a great experience. Um, so I don't think that uh, when it came to the emotional stuff, though, <laughs> nobody ever taught me to be or not to be. I just always was not. I've never been a hugger 
or a cuddler. What? And nine times out of ten, usually I'm okay. Like if somebody's a hugger and they want to hug and we haven't seen each other for a while, I'm okay. But I mean, when it comes to like um, holding and cuddling and stuff like yeah, <laughs> stuff yeah. like that, Andre. Like Andre would like uh, to have more of. I mean, because he. Well, also has a wife I think holding hands is pretty nice, but you just declared on that. Okay, <laughs> deal with that. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not super needy in that area. And like I, said, like I said, when I was a kid and an infant, I was always like that. My mom, like she said, put me in my car seat, stuffed me in a corner. I'd quit crying. But if somebody tried to hold me or soothe me, I just got worse. Uh, when she wanted me to go to bed, just put me in the crib and shut the door. Uh, I never cried. I didn't cause any problems. I, I was very happy to be alone as a child. I'm very comfortable with that. Didn't bother me at all. Hmm. And even through my childhood, even though I did a lot of activities, there was many, many hours spent just by myself. Okay. And I like when I went to the pool with those kids at one summer. Like they weren't there every day. I was there every day, Monday through Friday, from twelve to five. That's all I did. And I just, sometimes I just sat there for five hours by myself in the grass and didn't do anything. I was fine. I just, did, just didn't bother me. Um, it was fun the times I had with them, but the yeah, times that they weren't yeah. there just didn't didn't bother me at all. Okay. So, uh, and then when I went to move out and stuff like that, you know, I couldn't, my mom had the big shindig and he's going off for two years to the ship to do all this stuff and and you know I like I thank you guys but I'm not really going to miss any of you <laughs> not because you're not great but it's just not how I see things you know yeah I, I think most people if they would have been honest they would have known you know the contact that's not going to stay up that much well, longer yeah, anyways but I mean like even with you guys I'm glad that we're been able to stay in contact I very much am happy to be your friends but when I leave here I'm going to want to come back but I'm not going to sit down and cry and beat my chest <laughs> are you and, serious because I think that's going to fuck me up yeah I know I'm <laughs> glad that you have a wife Andre because I couldn't handle you emotionally Waterfalls, what can I say? <laughs> the funny thing is, this guy is the least friendly person I know. Until it comes to you, Anita. And only in private. Because in public, he acts like a total jerk to you. But I know in private, he is this gushy, mushy... <laughs> Gotta keep up my appearance. Yeah, I know, That's it's terrible. No, just when you were talking about this um, touchy thing as well... <laughs> I don't like it either. <laughs> Can be too much. But you know, I, and, and it might just be, I, I, like they say, once you have kids, everything changes. Mm -hmm. But right now, I see the way you guys hold your kids and your kids sit in your lap, especially your little girls at this point. Your boys are a little bit old for that. But yeah. to me, I find that wonderful and nice and just a pleasant family uh, picture. But I'm like, Jeez, you're sweating me, kid. Why well, got to have some space? <laughs> you know. Well, no, I mean not with your kids because they. Yeah. But I do have some of my friends' kids that I'm around the house a lot more. They call me Mr. Aaron, and they jump up on me and pull my beard and do whatever they want to do, and which I let them because I'm not going to tell a kid that I'm not going to be mean to a kid. I could scar it for life. Mm. But <laughs> it, it, there does come a point where I'm just like, all right. Uh, Mr. Aaron has got to go out to the garage and get another beer and possibly have several cigarettes to come down from the stress you just caused by being so close to me. <laughs> but you know, my sister, it's a little bit, mm. with her, it's a little bit like that too. When she spends too much time around here, mm. she needs mm. her breaks. Yeah, but, but it's probably more the, the noise level of things. Yeah, the noise, and, but then also the attention and, and always being asked. And yeah, well, the girls are pretty much nagging all uh, the time. There's always something, you know. They want attention. Yeah. Maybe it's a good thing I don't speak German in your house, so your it kids is. can make all the noise they want, because mm. that doesn't bother me. Maybe they just nod and say, go for it. Just <laughs> do what you want to do, but the, none of them have crawled all over me or anything. They've all been very polite and pleasant. Well, your son did speak to me in English a little bit today, which I was fairly happy about. Mm -hmm. 
Did. Sounded very professional. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, all your hard work, Anita, you know, took off, I guess. Well, it was his work as well. <laughs> But um, let, let's just go to the last question because otherwise it's going to be too long. Oh, okay. Because I wanted to ask you, what do you think, um, what parents today should should be doing more of or less of or what are the challenges of parents in the Western world today? Well, at home, my three buddies that all have children are all self-made people. They've all worked very hard, have their own businesses, and are fairly successful. Mm. Uh, the one thing that all three of them have said to me that they worry the most about for their children is teaching their children how to work hard and that hard work is very important. They are very worried that the life they want to provide for their children because they didn't have it mm -hmm. is going to actually ruin their child. Yeah. Small, small. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And none of them treat their children as their parents treated them. So they've yeah. already decided they're going to parent differently. And I'm wondering about the reasons for that. Uh, how, how come? Because it's the same for us too. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe is this a human thing? You want your children to have a better life than you mm -hmm. had it. And so if the level is already quite up there, life is pretty comfortable and so on, the kids, they don't learn how to work hard anymore because there's no necessity for it. Or I think that uh, once their children get a little bit older, it'll be easier uh, from the standpoint because they'll be able to take the child around with them more mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, it's I well here I am speaking out of turn because I don't have any children and I, I understand I can only speak to what I hear other people say but that is a big worry for them that they want their child to understand uh, maybe not just hard work we call it hard work But what we want our, for our child is to know that, because to work hard and not get anything for it would be silly. We don't yeah, want that yeah, for our kids. Yeah. But we would like um, a sense, not a sense of entitlement, but a sense of if I put forth the effort, I can have it. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the sense that I can work for what I want, I shouldn't just be looking to have it given to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't know how to give children that uh, mentality uh, I don't know I mean because like I I mean the way I, I don't think I mean my mom made me work for stuff but I did more work for free than for earning anything when I was a kid you know wow. I didn't I didn't lack of anything but if anybody needed something my mom was sure to volunteer me and make sure that they didn't feel that they had to pay me Mm -hmm. um, but then there were some people when it came to you know they needed somebody to do work and they were going to pay me it was okay you know I got I got enough and my mom didn't like skin. I wasn't going naked or hungry or anything mm -hmm. you know we just there was a very big sense of uh, service is mandatory mm -hmm. which I don't mind I think that was a good lesson to learn but yeah. uh But I, you know, you're trying to get your kids to understand that it, there's no free ride, and they've got to take responsibility for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how do you teach somebody to do that. <clears throat> well, well, I, I think a, one big factor also is the environment, and if the environment is pretty comfy, and and all the the other kids in their class are getting this and this and this and the other things without even having to work for it, then. But I don't think that. Uh, anybody should feel guilty for their hard work i mean you work for your paycheck there mr andre and mm -hmm. you put yourself forth and may i i mean you want people to see that there are nice things out there and that through hard work you can mm -hmm. have those nice things because nobody should for their children's sake feel like they need to live in a cardboard box when they've worked so hard to gain something and build something for themselves. Uh, I don't think that they should do like some people have and then, well, when I die, I'm not giving my kids anything. Well, no, that's kind of a 
sad way to yeah. to look at things because yeah. you don't want to be but at the same time you want the the child to understand no we worked for this yeah. that's why we have this if yeah. you work you can have this as well mm-hmm. um, you know because I, I, I do believe that is a well there's a podcast in itself right there yeah, <laughs> sure then. yeah but I think this is um, we're up on time I think Mm-hmm. So we thank you for your time. Thank you. Oh, so I appreciate being here. I hope I didn't bore anybody too much. Um, well, you since what? you're the only listener, um, you tell us. <laughs> Please, no nobody one. fact-checked me. And just in case you find there were errors in my memory. No, as you have to correct that statement, we have another listener so that yes, we know yes. of. So yeah. um, oh, that's good. That's two good listeners. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's two now. Thank you for your time. Time and your answers. Yeah. Thank you for Thank letting you me so meet you. And everyone, I guess, have a good night, right? Yeah. That's how we you say it. You have the last word, Anna. Okay. <clears throat> good night. <laughs>